Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning. It it is good to be here, uh, back in the land of Target and ribs. Uh, it's been a, it's been a few months. My family we we actually had a, the, the the chance to come back on a, on a short little uh, furlough for about two months in November December. So we were here t- all together uh, a few months ago, and uh, I, like he said, I had to do some we had to do some paperwork, and somebody had to suffer for Jesus and come back to America. <laughs> But uh, it's it's a joy, really. It is to be here. I got the chance to celebrate. I, my, I just had a birthday on Thursday, so I got to celebrate with my mom, uh, which hadn't happened in a couple of years, and it was special for me. But I know it was really special for her. Uh, <clears throat> and um, I'll be there. Our family will be there uh, probably for about another year. Our original commitment to the team there was for three years, and so as we were preparing to leave and raising funds, we, you know told everyone we'd be gone for three years, and so we're planning to come back next spring. Uh, so please pray for us with, with, you know, everything that would need to happen with that as far as uh, when uh, to come back and what happens with the role that we play on the team there and different things. And, uh, and then just the practicals of just transitioning back as a family here because our hearts really are uh, there in Iraq with the people and with what God is doing, it definitely is home. This is not home for me. Uh, Chicago isn't home. It's where I grew up, but home has uh, definitely been Iraq for the last couple of years. Our hearts are there. My children are there. My kids didn't want me to come back. And uh, they said, Daddy, why do you have to go? And I said, well, if we don't go and I don't get this paperwork done, we're going to have to move back to America. Do you want to move back to America? And my middle child said, no. <laughs> uh, that's just, I mean, she was three when we moved there. My son was four months uh, so that's, that's where they've grown up. That's life uh, for them. And we really do enjoy it. Uh, we live in an area where it's, it's safe. Uh, we feel safe all the time. I've been there two years. I've never felt threatened uh, in my home or for my family or anything. Even being here, I don't feel like, you know, it's, it's a risk to travel back. But we thank God for that. And we thank even the, the military forces uh, in northern Iraq that help us to feel safe. Um, couple stories. I don't know if when I was here last if I shared about one particular uh, guy that we had who we were discipling. Uh, he's a Syrian refugee. I don't know if I shared about him or not, but he's a Syrian refugee who we met two, uh, about a year and a half ago who came to us really because he saw us as Americans and saw opportunities uh, to get a visa to the States, to get money, you know, whatever the case is. It's oftentimes what people see when we show up, you know, they see dollar signs. And so he came to us with the same expectations, uh, but he also was, you know, going through some depression and things like that. And so he asked, you know, do you, do you guys think Jesus can help me with that? And, and Jesus, Jeanette's here. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. Somebody I haven't seen in a long time who doesn't live in Chicago. I just recognize her. Um, who... He's going through his depression, and, 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 and God comes and he visits him in a very powerful way, and he gets genuinely born again. Uh, and, and then his family begins to persecute him, and uh, it's just a real challenge for him, obviously, for obvious reasons. 
Uh, and so he starts to doubt whether or not he made the right decision. And after a couple of weeks, God visits him again and affirms that he had made the right decision in following Jesus and choosing to leave Islam. And, uh, it was just a, a real breaking point for him, a turning point. Uh, so he, he runs away from his family who literally was holding him hostage in the, in the home because they thought we had brainwashed him. And so he runs away and he's hiding for a few weeks and he's praying for God to save his family. And <clears throat> he tells us one day, he says, I feel like I need to tell my family that, you know, where I am and come clean about the fact that I'm still following Jesus. And we said, well, you know what happened last time? He says, yeah, but I was praying and asking God to save my family. And he told me, he says, well, how are they going to know if you don't tell them? And so I feel like I need to tell them, you know, that, that Jesus really is the one who changed my life. And he really is the way. And so his family, there was a lot of drama associated with that. But his family finally said, okay, fine, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Just come home. Be with us again. But don't talk to us about Jesus. We don't want to hear it. If we find out you're talking to your younger brothers, there's going to be problems. And so... He continued to live with his family and come by to our prayer meetings and come to the house church and be discipled by us and things like that. And uh, <clears throat> A few months go by. When I was here in the States, actually, uh, he received a text message from one of his brothers who was married and his wife was leaving him. And he was depressed because his wife was leaving him. He didn't know how to save his marriage. So he texted his younger Christian brother and said, I don't know what to do. I'm miserable. She's leaving me. Do you think Jesus can help me? And he says, of course he can. And so he goes out and he begins to minister to his brother who lives in a different city. Uh, and so I just talked to this, this brother yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago. And this, oh, we're in June now. Yes, yeah, so I talked to him at the end of May. So this month in June, uh, at the end of this month, he's going to be baptizing his brother uh, in this other city. And it's just been amazing to see what God is doing. I mean, this is just one testimony of a few. There's also a bunch more testimonies of people that didn't want to hear anything we had to say. And people that received, you know, Bibles and New Testaments that didn't read them or read them and were still closed. It's, it's you know, I don't want to just share the, the highlight reels. It's, it's real life. It's real ministry. Everybody's not excited about it. Uh, but that doesn't change the message, doesn't change the power of the message. And so we continue to, to tell people that Jesus is the only way. Uh, we've had an opportunity to go into Mosul uh, over the last few months. If anybody's been watching the news, you understand Mosul has been ISIS's headquarters for the last two and a half years, almost three years. Next week will be three years since they took over. And uh, it's about it, a straight drive. It's about an hour away from where we live, but with all the checkpoints and everything in between, it's about two hours. And so we've had the, the privilege of going in to, to Mosul in some of the liberated areas and speaking to people, meeting new people, people that we've met in refugee camps that we've ministered to and they've been open and then they go back to Mosul because their neighborhood gets liberated. And so we go in and we visit them, we share the gospel with them. Uh, they introduce us to neighbors and other people and it definitely is more of a high risk situation uh, because we're, we're going into Mosul where ISIS is still occupying other parts of the city and there's very well, you know, there's tons of sleeper cells of people that have, you know, shaved off their beards and integrated with society. And, you know, the, the military there shows trying to figure out who's who and try to keep the, the area safe. So we, we definitely go in a little more. I, I definitely go in a little more sober-minded than just going to, like, the refugee camp up the street from my house. <clears throat> but people in Mosul need Jesus, too. And so we, we you know, we don't feel like it's, it's too high of a price to take the risk 
uh, to go. And we've seen fruit there. We see people there that are, that are hungry. Uh, one, one story in particular, even just before I, I came back, our team went to Mosul and, and some of the guys in our team were sharing with a family because we met a guy in a camp, shared the gospel with him, and he's been asking a lot of questions, reading his Bible, and, and he's open. And so when we come, he says, I want you guys to visit my uncle who's got devils. He's got demons, and we don't know what to do. But I read in the Bible that Jesus' followers can set people free, so would you guys come and visit him? And so our team, they go to minister to this man and his family, and they share the gospel with them. And his family sitting there, born and raised in Mosul for their family, their grandparents and parents, and for generations, living under radical Islamic ideology, and they're sitting there and they're hearing about Jesus and they're hearing the gospel for the first time. And they, they, the, the, <clears throat> they speak up and they said, man, we've never heard this before. How come we haven't heard this before? How come nobody has come to tell us this before? This is beautiful news, but nobody's told us. We've, we've known Christians, we've lived among Christians before, but nobody ever told us this. And it just, it, it does something in my heart because you know that it's true. You know that it's, we know as believers that there's people out there, not just in Iraq, but here in the suburbs of Chicago, in the city. We know that there's people that they've heard about Jesus, but they don't really understand the gospel. They haven't seen it demonstrated. And if, if, if the revelation, when they get the revelation that Jesus really is the Son of God, that He really does love them, something goes off and they wait, well, how come nobody really told this to me? Yeah, I got invited to church, but nobody sat down with me and explained this to me. And so we're sitting here with these people and we're sharing with them. Listen, we don't know. We can't make excuses for anybody else. We don't know who those people were, but we know God sent us here today to tell you that he loves you, that he wants relationship with you, and that you can know him, that you can experience his love. And we're, this is a regular occurrence now. We're, we're, we're regularly talking to people that have grown up <clears throat> under radical Islamic ideology, and they have no grid for who Jesus is. They have no grid for the gospel. They, they know stories from the Bible that they've heard from the mosques, and so they're all twisted and perverted, and so they read through the New Testaments we give them, and they think, man, this isn't anything like what I was told it was like. Jesus' words are beautiful. They're always impressed with Jesus' words about uh, uh, loving your enemies. Not responding with hate, but responding with love. That always strikes them because they say people, people don't talk like that. And people where we live don't live this way. And so people's hearts are being opened because of the word of God. We, we literally go to refugee camps and we, we have to lie to people that we don't have Bibles with us. Because they're literally running up to our cars asking for them. And we're thinking like, man, I only brought three of them with me, and I'm hoping to sit down with some new families, and if they're interested, I'd like to give them one as a gift, but these guys are literally knocking on windows. Kids are chasing our cars, asking for MP3 players that, that have the Bible on them. And so I remember being like, man, why, why, why don't we just buy enough to distribute to everybody? And then, you know, somebody on our team's like, yeah, because there's 25,000 people in this camp. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, well, that, that's not going to work. And so this is, this is the problem. People are hungry for truth. They're hungry for encounters with the living God. We should be hungry for encounters with the living God. Oftentimes we get complacent, you know, 
because we don't have the pressure that other believers around the world have. <clears throat> you know, I, I wanted to share a, a testimony of something that happened uh, last uh, in, in April, where I had been doing ministry for you know I've been out there for two years at this point, and last year at the end of the year I felt like like I wanted to live, you know. I just really wanted to feel, and then in 2017, I wanted to feel like I lived a life of discipline across the board. And so I made some commitments to get up at the same time every day and seek the Lord, to start working out and, you know, spending time with my, just being disciplined across the board. And so I felt like part of that was to go on, on a few uh, extended fasts. I was going to set up, I put them on the calendar. I'm going to fast from this date to this date throughout the year and a couple of those and uh, <clears throat> I did January, fasted through January. Then April comes around, and I start my fast. And I get up the, 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 the night before the fast starts. So I wake up from, I have a dream, and I wake up from the dream, and this day one. And in this dream, I'm sitting in my living room of my house, and I look up, and I see the ceiling, and it's this giant water bubble in, in the paint. And when I wake up from the dream... I, I just have this knowing from the Lord that God is speaking to me. And, and, and water, in the scriptures, water is symbolizing the spirit. So I'm thinking, okay, God, you, God is saying, I want to break. I'm getting ready to break into your living space. Because in my living room. And so I have very high expectations for this fast now. This is like day one. So I'm like, this is going to be the best fast ever because God is going to break in. And then a couple days go by and my wife has a dream. My wife has a dream that she was pregnant and that she had a miscarriage. She has a miscarriage, and in the dream she's saying, the reason I had the miscarriage was because I was on birth control, and it messed it up. And so she wakes up from the dream, and she's nervous. We're not trying to have a baby or anything like that. But we just felt like just from, from our experiences with the Lord and time with Him, with, with some things, when it comes to dreams, we've kind of learned the language that God speaks to us in particular. And so we're like, okay, if, if, if we're pregnant in a dream, that means that there's something God wants to birth through us. There's something that God wants to give birth to, but it was, it was a miscarriage, and it was because of something that we put in place. And so we start to take inventory of our hearts, start to take, take inventory of our lives. What, is there anything we're doing wrong? Is there any areas of compromise or, or bitterness or unforgiveness and we got nothing. And so we kind of just try to push it to the side and keep going forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm still getting up every day to seek to God. And nothing's happening. My prayer life was completely dry and cold and boring. <clears throat> I'm, I'm tell, I, mean, I was getting up in the morning and I'm literally, I'm reading and it's like a chore. And it's a brutal one. Because nothing's happening. I'm not, and I'm not talking like I'm not feeling goosebumps, but I'm just feeling like I'm not connecting with God. I'm just here saying words and just reading words, but, but I'm, not, I'm not encountering him in a way that I had, had become accustomed to. And so I start to think, man, something's wrong. Something is going on. I'm, and and I'll, I can go to the camps and God will still use me and people were, uh, uh, to share the gospel and people were getting touched by God. But in my own personal one-on-one time with the Lord, nothing was happening. And then my wife has this dream and so we're kind of nervous but we're not wanting to talk about it. And then someone else here in the States contacts me. says, hey, I had a dream about you guys last night. This is a week later. I said, what was the dream? She said, I had a dream that Janelle was pregnant. 
And she had a miscarriage. And we thought, oh, that's serious. Because God's, God's really trying to communicate something now. So she says she has a miscarriage. And then a year later, she gave birth to a, a, a healthy baby girl. And her name was Anna. And we're like, okay, thanks. She's like, I don't know if the dream means anything to you guys, but I just wanted to share it. Thought it may, may, if it was significant. We're like, yeah, well, we'll pray. And I get off, you know, the phone and just kind of all of a sudden, like, there's this, like, pit in my stomach. Like, okay, God, something's going on, but I don't know what it is. And, uh, you know, Anna in the scriptures was someone who f- fasted and ministered to the Lord. And so we thought, okay, God, are you saying something's wrong with our prayer life? Because I feel that same way too, but I don't know what to do to change it. And so we're, we're, we're kind of going through this. And I'm like, man, I'm still fasting. I'm, I'm still trying to spend time with the Lord and nothing's happening. And it's just really like rocking my heart. <clears throat> and... Uh, through some just different things that I felt that was, was happening, I felt like God was highlighting this, this area of, of, of intimacy with him, of being with him. But I'm like, God, but I don't understand. It's, 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 nothing's happening. And my heart is, is hard. My heart is cold. I'm, and then it hit me. I realized that, God, I'm, I'm not really hungry. It's like, God, I'm here. I'm, I live here. I'm doing ministry. But on a, on a personal level, man, I'm, I'm not really hungry. For you. You know, I'm in the middle of this fast, and if you've ever done any of these extended fasts, you're hungry like day one and day two and day three, and you're like, man, I'm starving. And then come like day four and five, your hunger gets suppressed. Right? If you've ever done like a longer fast, right? So after a few days, your hunger goes away, and you don't feel the pain of the hunger anymore. But your, your body's still craving food, but you don't feel it in, anymore. And I felt like that was a, a natural uh, picture of what, was hap- what had happened in my heart. That my heart was, was hu- deep down, there was, I was hungry, but I didn't feel it. I didn't feel like I was hungry. I didn't feel like I needed to eat like, I, like you do on day one and two. And it was, it, was, it was very sobering. It was sobering to have to just admit to the Lord, like, God, my heart isn't hungry for you. And I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I, I want to live in rest. I want to live in peace. I want to, 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 to walk with the Lord, and I don't want to strive. I don't want to live in, in, in a place where I feel like I need to earn, you know, something from God. And so I don't want to start doing things to, to prove to God that he, I deserve for him to make me hungry. To prove to God that I deserve for him to come and visit me. But my back's up against the wall, I feel. Man, I don't know what else to do. Because I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm reading my Bible. I'm sharing the gospel with people. I'm worshiping. And nothing. It's just cold. You know, there's this, this, this Keith Green song called, you know, My Eyes Are Dry. And that's how I felt. Where there's just this sense of, like, God, something's wrong. Because I don't feel normal, but I don't know what to do about it. So I sat down with our team, with some of the guys on our team, and I just confessed. It's like, guys, I don't know what's going on, man. I feel like I had this dream that God was going to break in, and then Janelle had this dream, and then this person in America had this dream, and I don't know what to do, but I feel like God wants to do something in my life, and I feel like I'm going to mess it up. And it really scares me, because 
I want, I want, I don't want him to leave. You know, it's like Psalm 51 where David is like, God, don't leave me. This is how I feel. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't want to mess up whatever it is you want to do. So I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm scared because it's not like God, I feel like God's going to shut down the, the ministry in Iraq or like people are, he's not going to keep touching people, but it was personal. I felt like it was something in me and my family that is like, God, whatever you want to do, I want you to be able to do it. But I don't want to get in the way and I don't know how to get out of the way. So I share with my team that and I said, man, listen, if you guys think it's best for me not to do any ministry for the next week or so or whatever, if whatever you guys think is best, I'm in, man. I just know that I'm not satisfied with the shallow level of hunger in my heart. And so if it means I got to take time, I'll take time, whatever, man. I just, I don't know what to do. And I'm so thankful for, for brothers. I'm thankful for the body because, you know, they can, sometimes they see things that you don't see. And I'm in the, in the middle of this and I'm looking at my life in light of the previous two weeks, three weeks. And one of the guys says, well, you know, at the beginning of this year, you said that you wanted God to help you to live a life of discipline and self-control. <clears throat> and you set yourself to go on a couple of fasts. And he said, man, you can't. Set, set yourself to go on these fasts to encounter the Lord for this extended period of times and to live a life of discipline without expecting your flesh to rise up. Without expecting some of these things to come to the surface. He's like, that, you're not just going to learn how to live a disciplined life. You have to get rid of all the bad disciplines you have. And so I, I felt comfort in that because I felt like, okay... Let me look at this, these couple of weeks in light of the last five months, four months. Okay, it's like, all right, I set myself to fast. I should have expected this. I should have expected my flesh to rise up and to be uncomfortable. But it didn't change anything. I was still hungry. I still wasn't hungry. And we, went, I, we had a, a 24-hour prayer meeting in the house of prayer that we have there. We had a team that came in from the U.S. and... We are slotted to go 24 hours around the clock to just seek Jesus and worship him for 24 hours for no other reason than because he deserves it. And so we said, all right, we're going to do this. So I, I, I show up to the prayer meeting and I said, listen, I don't want any responsibilities, man. I just want to come and just pray. But in my heart, I'm just like, God, I've been praying and nothing's happening. So the prayer meeting starts and we're sharing. People are going up to pray and, and, and one, one local woman comes up and she reads this passage in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 is a familiar passage. It says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, and this will not be taken from her. And this girl gets up there and she shares this, and she just shares about Mary's heart, how Mary just had a heart, and she just wanted to behold Jesus' face. 
She didn't want to do anything. She wasn't concerned with serving him as much as just being with him and looking into his eyes. Because she understood that she's going to find hope in that place. She's going to find refuge in his eyes. And I sat in the corner of this prayer meeting and I said, God, I just want to look at your eyes. I want to see your face, but I, I can't, man. And I, if I'm really being honest, I've got to admit, I'm distracted. I'm distracted with so many things right now. And if you've ever been distracted, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about because then you also get offended and bothered by so many things. Because what other people do and say and how they behave and they respond affects you more than it would than when you're having a good day. And so I'm sitting in the corner of this prayer meeting in the back and I'm just like, Jesus, I want to see your face. I got nothing to give you. I got nothing to deserve the right to be able to see your face other than the fact that I, I need to. I need to see you. And I remember it was just like in this moment, in a moment, it was like if, if Jesus took his finger and dipped it in a cup of liquid hunger and then just put a drop on my tongue. And it was like for the first time in a couple of weeks, I felt hungry. I felt something. I felt anything for him. And it, just, it was so refreshing. Because I didn't want anything else. That's all, I, that's all I needed. I just needed to know. I just needed to know that I wasn't going to mess anything up. That whatever he wanted to do in my life, he was going to have free reign to do. That I needed to be able to yield my heart to him. Because that's all I had. I cried and I cried and I cried for the next two hours. I just sat, on, I kneeled on the floor and I just wept and wept. And all, my, all I could muster up to say was thank you. Thank you. Because you knew, you knew I couldn't do this on my own, Jesus. You knew I, my heart couldn't get to you by itself. And I cried and I cried and the prayer, it finished and it didn't finish but like that, you know, prayer time ended and they were transitioning to the next one and I needed to get home and I got home and I went straight, I literally had burned so much energy just crying that I literally walked in the door, said goodnight to my kids and went to my room and laid in the bed and I felt like I was sleeping on a cloud. And I couldn't wait to get up the next morning because, because I knew he was going to be there. So the next morning comes, I get up, and my wife's in the same place because she had this dream too. And so she, I didn't even tell her what happened to me. I went home and went straight to bed. And so my wife, is, she still has this burden, you know. And, and, and the next day, I'm at the prayer room all day long, just sitting there with my Bible in my hand, my eyes closed. And all I can say is thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 24-hour prayer meeting ends, and the, we, we, we asked someone there who was visiting from the States. I said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to get to see you again before you leave, so would you pray for us? And she said, sure. We sat down, me and my wife. She put her hands on us, and she said, I see something coming over you, and it's breaking over you, and there's a new anointing coming over you guys. My wife instantly thought about the dream that I had about my living room. And so her expectations for this 
time of prayer just went through the roof. I was like, cool. <laughs> because you see, for me, I, I was happy with what happened the previous night. I was satisfied. It's like, okay, God, you, you met me. You didn't have to, but you did, so I'm good. So just pray for us and we'll go home. And then she started to prophesy into our lives. Someone I didn't know. Like, I, I had met her, but I, I don't know her like this. It's not like she looked at me from the back of the room and said, oh, this, this guy needs some encouragement in this area of his life. And she began to speak into who we are as husband and wife, as parents, as missionaries, as sons and daughters, as friends, as you name it. She began to just speak God's heart into us. And my wife, she's sitting next to me crying because God's speaking to her. And we're just, I'm just like, again, just thank you, God. You did this for me last night, and now you're touching my wife. This, you're so good to us. And then as this woman's praying, she begins to pray, and she says, God, they didn't know, they didn't realize how weary they had become. And then my heart said, oh, no. <laughs> She's talking about you. She's putting words to feelings you had that you didn't know how to communicate. He's putting words to, to, to the feelings in your heart. And I said, oh, gosh, that, God, that's what it was. I was just tired, man. I was weary. I got my eyes off of you for a little bit, and I started running on my own strength, and I ran out of gas. And she just began to just pray over us and prophesy over us and speak life over us. And we cried again and again, and I didn't have any energy left, man. You know, my watch keeps track of how many calories I burn when my heart rate gets to a certain level. <laughs> By the time we were done praying, I had burned 160 calories. <laughs> but man, guys, I, I, I wanted to share this because I could sit here and tell a bunch of stories of the different things that have happened in Iraq and the different Muslims that have been touched and all these other things and the glorious parts of being on the mission field. But I also wanted just to be real, man, and say, listen, you don't live in Iraq. And so for some of the stories, you might be like, that's great, but that's happening over there, man. But what about my life? I'm here now, and I'm busy. I got kids to take care of. I got kids that got to go to school. For my wife, it was very special for, for me that my wife, that God would touch her in that way because my wife's a stay-at-home mom, and she's overwhelmed with having three kids and then a 33-year-old kid. You know, and she's always making sandwiches and dinner and lunch and, and fixing this and folding laundry and being pulled in every other direction. <clears throat> I'm a firm believer, man, that if what we're preaching, if what we're, we're preaching to people, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work for the, for the stay-at-home mom, just like it works for the missionary, just like it works for the investment baker, just like it works for the, the teacher, then it's not real. Because Jesus' gospel doesn't only apply to people with a particular skill set. It's people with particular circumstances. It's people that have hearts that are hungry. And I'm telling you, man, hunger, spiritual hunger, it's a gift. Everybody doesn't have. And it's not a gift in like one of the spiritual gifts that some people have. No, it's a gift from God. He gives you, he gives you the ability to be hungry. The scriptures say, taste and see that God is good. Are you hungry for him? Are we hungry for him? Do we, do we, do we, are we like Mary's who just want to sit at his feet? 
We just want to sit at his feet and look at his face. Or are we distracted with many things? Have our hearts grown satisfied? Have they grown cold and hard? And we don't even know. You know, my, my, my time of prayer with the Lord, that, when that 24-hour prayer meeting started, I just said, God, I'm not hungry, but I want to be hungry. And if I'm being real, Lord, I'm, I, I, I don't want you, but I want to want you. Not just because it's supposed to be that way, but because I really do in my heart. I really do want to want you. I want to have strong desires to be with you, but I don't. Would you help me? So I want to encourage you guys with that this morning. Wherever you're at, ask the Lord to to give you more hunger than what you have right now. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. So the question is, how hungry are you? Because that's how much you're going to get. That you got like this little Dixie cup's worth of hunger, or do you got like the 7-Eleven super big gulp hunger? Because that's, that's what God is going to give you. Because you will be filled. Jesus said it. And so it, 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 but it's up to us to say, God, I, I want to be more hungry. I want to be more hungry than I already am. I don't want to be distracted with many things. I don't want to be offended because so-and-so didn't say hi to me or so-and-so moved my stuff or my boss isn't speaking to me with respect. I don't want to be distracted with all the other cares of this world because I just want to be in love with you, Jesus. Because living with this kind of love, living with this kind of hunger, it allows you to look at your circumstances from heaven's perspective. We preach to people in refugee camps that have literally lost everything. They've lost their families. They've lost all of their belongings. And I always would question my, like, man, is this, is, is really, do I really believe that just telling them that believe in Jesus is going to help them? When I first got there, I would, I would ask myself this. And God had to deal with my heart and say, yeah, I do, Lord, because I know that if they, if they, if they meet you, Jesus, if they encounter you, they're not going to get a house. They're not going to get a car. They're not going to get jobs. But their hearts are going to be different. Their hearts are going to allow them to look at their circumstances and not be overcome by them. Their hearts are going to allow them to look at their circumstances and not be defeated by them. And it's no different here. When we encounter Jesus, when we encounter his love, when we're really hungry and we really just behold the beauty of his face, we can look at our circumstances and be satisfied with him. But we don't feel this need to get more stuff or to get bigger stuff or impress others. And so that's my, my prayer this morning. That God would make us hungry. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.